going on everybody welcome to catch hook and shoot today is sunday june the 9th 2019 my name's tom i am your host i want to thank everybody for listening and subscribing on podbean spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, TuneIn, stitcher soundcloud youtube and live every sunday at 3 p.m central time right here on twitch so uh hope everybody's following on social media facebook twitter instagram snapchat and linkedin on any one of those you can find us at catch hook shoot and hope everybody has had a chance to check out the uh, the Patreon page, patreon.com slash catchhookshoot. We've got four different tiers there for you guys to join. And I am going to be posting the uh, the first of the bonus episodes this month. Uh, hopefully by, uh, by next week those bonus episodes will be up. So uh, you guys can... Uh, uh, hopefully subscribe and check those out get the uh, you know get the, uh, the benefits that go along with each one of those four tiers there's a one dollar five dollar ten dollar and twenty dollar tier so uh, head on over to patreon.com slash catch hook shoot to check those out and make sure you check out the pro wrestling tees store at pro wrestling tees.com slash catch hook shoot as well and if you ever want to shoot me an email it's catch hook shoot at gmail.com and uh, I want to mention again uh, the uh, Wrestling Behind Ringside Fan Fest 2020 coming up next year, July 25th of 2020. Uh, two shows, 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. The uh, Super VIP tickets are on sale now. They went on sale on Friday. Uh, those tickets are $200 each. They include 15 photo ops, uh, tote bag, collector cup, wristband, priority entry into both shows. And, uh, yeah, as I uh, announced here on the show uh, the last couple of weeks, the first stars that have been announced for the show are Paul Roma and Patriot Del Wilkes. And starting the weekend of uh, July the 4th, actually I believe it'll be July 7th when the show drops, uh, we will be starting the Break the Code contest for two VIP tickets for the WBR FanFest 2020. Uh, and the way that is going to work, it's called the uh, Break the Code contest. I am going to be giving one word each week from a phrase from a uh, 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 from a wrestler uh, a popular phrase it's not uh, something too obscure but uh, not something not easily identified and uh, so I'll be giving out uh, one word each week for a few weeks and at the end of that time anybody who is able to uh, yeah piece the uh, piece the phrase together in the proper order and uh, email that in to me I'm going to be doing it through email catchhookshoot at gmail.com um, email your answers in and for all correct answers received I'm going to put uh, put the names of those people into a bowl and do a drawing right here on the show for the winner of the uh, the VIP tickets so uh, stay tuned for that like I said that'll be starting on July 7th so let's get into what's going on in uh, pro wrestling this week on uh, Raw we saw another interesting addition to the Firefly Funhouse this has actually been my favorite part of Raw the last several weeks I'm really looking forward to uh, to Bray Wyatt actually getting back in the ring and seeing uh, you know his new uh, I guess kind of new character, new direction he's been going. And this week on the Firefly Funhouse, we were introduced to Huskus the Pig. Uh, of course, a little kind of tongue-in-cheek reference to uh, Bray Wyatt's Husky Harris character. Uh, we also saw a, a new uh, another new puppet on the show, a Vince McMahon Devil puppet that was kind of kind of funny uh, main event on raw was a match between ricochet and cesaro uh these two are having some great matches uh the last couple of weeks and you know i, I really hope they uh they kind of build this rivalry into something with these two guys because they really are two of the best going right now for wwe and uh also had an appearance by the undertaker on raw and uh you know basically out to cut a promo about his match with uh with bill goldberg for the super showdown and uh he yeah he 
pretty much got cut off mid uh, mid promo there. Uh, USA Network cut to uh, the next program that was on after that. So uh, yeah, kind of kind of some uh, some timing issues it seemed like. Uh, so not sure if it was on WWE side or on the the USA Network. But uh, yeah, Undertaker ended up getting cut off. But they did. Uh, you know, people were able to see the the rest of that promo online. Uh, and then moving on to SmackDown. Uh, had a tag team match, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods against uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. It was a pretty good match there. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of, uh, like, kind of vignettes from Aleister Black the last several weeks, pretty much since the uh, Superstar shakeup when he got moved to SmackDown. Has not had any matches. He's basically just been, uh, you know, like I said, showing some backstage vignettes of him uh, talking and basically saying, you know, somebody needs to come pick a fight with him. And WWE put out on their social media this week, uh, you know, just kind of some some names and asking who people would like to see uh, pick that fight with Aleister Black. Personally, I'd love to see that person be Shinsuke Nakamura. I think the two of them would put on some fantastic matches. I think it'd be a good rivalry, and I think it'd be a good way to kind of boost Nakamura back up. Because as we've all seen or not seen, because he hasn't really been on TV, he's kind of fallen off ever since his uh, his rivalry with AJ Styles ended. And uh, that's you know. Nakamura is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, uh, you know, not just in WWE, but, you know, going back to his New Japan days and, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just really kind of, I think WWE has kind of dropped the ball on him. He was going going pretty strong there for a while, had a great NXT run, great initial run on the main roster when they first brought him up. But then, like I said, after that rivalry with AJ Styles kind of died down, uh, he just really hasn't been put in any significant rivalries since then so hopefully you know that they'll uh, they'll pull the trigger on that because i think black and nakamura would have some great great matches uh also saw on smackdown alexa bliss is the new number one contender for the uh, smackdown women's championship so i guess she'll be challenging bailey at the stomping grounds pay-per-view coming up uh so apparently alexa bliss is finally medically cleared to get back in the ring obviously because she had a match on smackdown so uh, and i think alexa and bailey can put on a pretty good match so we'll uh, have to see how that one turns out uh, some NXT news from uh, this past week. There's been uh, several name changes for some new NXT stars who have just recently signed with the company. Uh, probably the biggest one is Shane Strickland, now going by the name Isaiah Scott. Um, for anybody not familiar with Shane Strickland, he's a former MLW World Champion. He was part of Lucha Underground as Killshot. Uh, just a phenomenal athlete, great wrestler, uh, so in NXT apparently he's going to be going by the name Isaiah Scott. Uh, another name change in NXT is uh, former DJZ, formerly with uh, with Impact and uh, uh, also formerly known as Zima Ion and uh, things like that. Uh, his name now in NXT is Joaquin Wild. so, uh, and uh, a couple more significant ones, uh, Trevor Lee, also formerly with Impact, will now be going by Cameron Grimes. And uh, Eric Bugenhagen is now just going to be Rick Boogs, apparently. So <laughs> shorten his name up a bit. So, uh, yeah, that's that's just kind of, you know, WWE's thing. They sign guys and, uh, you know, who have made a name for themselves on the indies and, uh, you know, change their name. It, it's very common practice with WWE with very few exceptions. Uh you know, uh, I guess one exception would be Samoa Joe. They, you know, didn't uh, didn't make him change his name. AJ Styles obviously got to keep his name, but you know, guys like uh, Kevin Owens on the Indies, he went by his real name, Kevin Steen. Why they, you know, that's one that still kind of makes me scratch my head as far as why he uh, why he had to change his name. But you know, it is what it is. It's uh, it's WWE's mo. 
Uh, moving on to some MLW news, Alex Hammerstone is your first ever national openweight champion, defeated uh, Brian Pillman Jr. in a great match for that championship. Some Impact news, it looks like TJ Perkins is back with Impact. He was at the TV tapings this week in uh, New York. Uh, we also saw the return of uh, Jessica Havoc on uh, this week's TV episode, the one that aired, well, should have aired on Pursuit. That's another story, but uh, uh, aired on Twitch this week, returned with uh, James Mitchell as her manager uh, and freed Sue Young from uh, from Rosemary. So it looks like she's getting getting put in the mix there with uh, Sue Young and Rosemary. And also uh, Taya Valkyrie was kind of mixed up in all that as well. Uh, speaking of the issues with Pursuit, it looks like Impact is looking for a, a new TV deal yet again. They've only been with Pursuit since January, but apparently there have been a lot of problems, uh, especially the last couple of weeks. Last week's show, they uh, cut away from the main event for a commercial break and uh, never went back. Apparently Pursuit showed like 35 minutes worth of commercials and people didn't get to see the, uh, the end of the show. And then this week, they didn't even air the new episode. They re-aired last week's episode, so... A lot of problems with uh, with the Pursuit Channel for Impact, so they apparently are looking for a new new TV deal. Uh, and hopefully they get one. Hopefully it's on a little bit more prominent channel, because uh, like I said, I watch Impact on Twitch. Um, the, my cable provider doesn't carry the Pursuit Channel. I had never even heard of the Pursuit Channel until Impact announced that that's where they're going to be airing the show. So uh, you know, hopefully they can get a little bit a uh, little bit stronger TV deal going forward, because Impact really has. Uh, become really good over the last uh, last couple of years, so uh, hopefully they're they're able to find find a new TV home. Uh, so let's get into WWE's latest uh, Saudi Arabia event, Super Showdown. Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty good show. It wasn't anything special, uh, you know, for the most part, good quality matches. Um, yeah, let's get into our results here. Randy Orton defeated Triple H. Uh, the 50-man battle royal, which was not really too much to watch, quite honestly. But uh, yeah, the uh, uh, winner of that was uh, NXT star Mansoor, who is from Saudi Arabia, so not really a big surprise there. I think uh, that it had actually been um, rumored beforehand that he was going to win. Um, yeah, Braun Strowman defeated Bobby Lashley. Finn Balor retained the Intercontinental Championship against Andrade. Uh, surprisingly, Shane McMahon did defeat Roman Reigns with some help from Drew McIntyre. Kofi Kingston retained the WWE Championship against Dolph Ziggler. Seth Rollins retained the Universal Championship against Baron Corbin. We did see an appearance from Brock Lesnar at the end of that match. Um, kind of, you know, looked like he was going to cash in, but then Rollins kind of got the drop on him, beat him down, and uh, the cash in never happened. So Brock Lesnar is still in possession of the uh, the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, Lars Sullivan defeated Lucha House Party by disqualification. Um, you know, not not really sure what. Uh, what the deal is with with that with you know that whole thing other than to try to make Sullivan just look like a monster heel uh, on the pre-show the Usos defeated the Revival in a tag team match um, and then the main event of the show was uh, the Undertaker defeating Goldberg um, you know I, I I understand the appeal of this match I mean it's the Undertaker and it's Goldberg it's two of the biggest uh, you know icons in the Monday Night Wars um, and like I said, the Undertaker was victorious, but Goldberg uh, got injured pretty early on in the match, uh, going for a spot in the corner. Um, 
to uh, was going to spear the Undertaker. Undertaker moved out of the way, and Goldberg was looked like was supposed to do you know the the fairly common shoulder to the ring post spot when a guy moves out of the way and the other guy's charging in head first. But uh, Goldberg actually did hit head first into the ring post, busted his head open pretty bad, and you could tell the rest of the match he was pretty much out on his feet. He went for the jackhammer, couldn't uh, fully execute it, ended up dropping the Undertaker right on the back of his head. Uh, thankfully, the Undertaker didn't look like was uh, any worse for wear after that, wasn't injured or anything. But uh, after the match, there was some fan footage that uh, that surfaced with, while the Undertaker was in the ring doing his normal you know, post-match uh, posing and things like that. Uh, Goldberg, after he exited the ring, pretty much collapsed at ringside. They're saying he's probably got a concussion. Uh, he, like I said, he was busted open pretty good uh, and actually hit uh, when the Undertaker hit him with the tombstone. He uh, he did hit his head on the mat, looked like pretty good. So uh, hopefully he's not injured too bad. But I, I, I have to kind of agree with what a lot of people have said online. You know, I think it's, it's time for... Uh, Goldberg and the Undertaker both to uh, just you know step away from the ring and I know this you know this was uh, a match that was requested directly from the the Prince of Saudi Arabia and I'm, I know you know they were paid a ridiculous amount of money to make this trip and have this match but uh, you know even the Undertaker liked somebody's comment online about you know it's time to retire and things like that so uh, he seems like he he agrees that uh, you know I, I mean, me personally, I think The Undertaker should have retired after the uh, the loss to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania a couple of years ago when he left the, uh, you know, the coat and the hat and the gloves in the middle of the ring. You know, it was very symbolic that uh, The Undertaker was done. I think they should have left it at that. And, uh, the you know, I think the fact that they keep bringing him back for these, you know, kind of one-off just uh, special attraction matches I think it I think it diminishes the Undertaker a little bit and that's that's very hard for me to say because uh, I am such a huge Undertaker fan and I love any opportunity to see him but uh, you know I think uh, I, I think it's time for uh, for the Undertaker to step away and I, I like I said I don't think it was the Undertaker's choice I don't think this match was his idea but uh, you know he he's uh, I mean, he's a company guy. He's very loyal to the WWE and to Vince McMahon. If Vince asks him to do something, he's he's probably going to do it more than likely. And you know, kudos to him for that. That shows a lot of integrity, and that's one of the main reasons the Undertaker is so respected. But I think I think Vince more than anything needs to kind of say, okay, you know, it's time to uh, kind of put the Undertaker to rest. Uh, so we'll have to see uh, going forward if the undertaker is uh you know does make any more appearances whether it's at WrestleMania or these international shows and things like that. Uh one interesting thing that did come out of Super Showdown is uh, after the WWE Championship match Dolph Ziggler was interviewed backstage and uh challenged Kofi Kingston to a rematch inside a steel cage. Kofi did accept and it looks like that match is going to happen at the uh, Stomping Grounds pay-per-view later this month. Of course I'll have a complete breakdown and preview of that um that weekend. So, uh, yeah, it looks like we're going to be having a steel cage match for the WWE title at Stomping Grounds. Getting into some other news here. Um, yeah, something I, I meant to make mention of last week, but it uh, basically slipped my mind. I didn't put it in my notes here. Was about uh, something about John Moxley and the, uh, the video that came out uh, that he put out on his Twitter page. Um, I believe it was on May 1st, right after his WWE contract expired, right there at midnight. Uh, and there was so much speculation about this video, like, oh, WWE produced it, it's all a work. And then they had other people saying AEW could have produced it because they have the money to, to do something like that. And I, I said on this show that, you know, nobody seemed to be considering the third option, that maybe Moxley 
produced the video himself just to kind of reintroduce himself as John Moxley to the wrestling fans. And if you listen to his interview on the Chris Jericho podcast uh, that's gotten so much coverage the last couple of weeks, uh, you find out that was exactly the case. He produced the video himself with a, a buddy of his in the movie business. You know, he financed it himself. And uh, so, yeah, that, you know, that was uh, was the case from John Moxley himself. He did produce produce that video. Uh, to to reintroduce himself as John Moxley to the wrestling world. So uh, there you go. So let's get into uh, some New Japan news. Talking about John Moxley, he is your new IWGP uh, United States Champion. Uh, his first post WWE match, he won that championship from Juice Robinson at the uh, the Best of the Super Juniors finale. Also on that same show, Will Osprey did win the Best of the Super Juniors tournament. Uh, so getting into uh, Dominion that just happened. Uh, earlier this morning, actually, by uh, by U.S. time. Uh, John Moxley had another match against Shota Umino, was victorious in that. Uh, Shingo Takagi defeated uh, Kojima. Jushin Thunder Liger and Yoshihashi defeated Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. in a tag team match. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and Taguchi defeated the Bullet Club, Jay White, Chase Owens, and Taji Ishimori in a six-man tag match. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii is your new never open weight champion, defeated uh, Taichi. Uh, the Gorillas of Destiny retained the IWGP Tag Team Championship against Sonata and Evil. Uh, Will Ospreay, on the heels of his best of the Super Juniors victory, is the new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, de- uh, defeating Dragon Lee. Tetsuya Naito defeated Kota Ibushi for the uh, IWGP Intercontinental Championship. And Kazuchika Okada retained the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Chris Jericho. And uh, apparently after that match, you know, Chris Jericho just kind of went nuts, uh, beating down Okada. Did the the old horse collar spot with the chair uh, into into Okada's neck. Was about to... uh, was about to power bomb Okada through a table at ringside when uh, Tanahashi made the save, surprisingly. So we'll have to see. Uh, looks like they're going to build towards a, a Jericho Tanahashi match going uh, sometime in the future. I would assume at their next big event. Uh, also had an appearance by the former Hideo Itami at uh, at uh, Dominion uh, back under his old ring name of Kenta. And uh, you know didn't have a match. Just made an appearance and basically declared himself for the uh, the G1 climax. Also, John Moxley in a promo to the audience after his match declared for the G1 climax as well. So um, all in all, sounds like it was a a really good show for New Japan Dominion. Uh, so if you get the chance, definitely check that out. Uh, some interesting stuff going on with Ring of Honor this week. I'm sure if uh, any of you guys follow Ring of Honor or any of their stars on social media. You saw uh, about the incident of a fan who, uh, you know, was sitting ringside and uh, making some kind of rude, crude, uh, inappropriate comments to uh, Allure, which is which is uh, uh, Velvet Sky, uh, Mandy Leone, and Angelina Love, and uh, you know the uh, basically uh, security person came and got this fan from ringside took him backstage and uh, apparently bully ray had a little bit of a chat with him um you know nothing violent uh, you know nothing about bully ray beating the guy up or anything just you know told him basically watch his mouth i mean you know there there are limits i mean you know there yes they're when you're talking about heels yeah they're not meant to be like you know you know you, you boo you you scream and you know tell them you suck and things like that but when you start getting 
into like uh, uh, something that could be considered sexual harassment or something like that, which is apparently where this fan went with his his heckling, you know that that's crossing a line. I mean, yes, they're they're portraying characters and they're meant to be hated and booed and screamed at and things like that. But you know, when you start taking it to a personal level and not booing the character, but uh, you know talking to the person and and uh getting into their personal lives and things like that that's not that's not okay you know uh but i also on the other hand i don't think ring of honor handled it uh 100 the way that they should have i mean in a case like this yes the fan 100 is in the wrong for the things that he was saying but he should have just been ejected from the arena and that been that um you know there's no call for uh the type of uh I, I'm just going to call it an intimidation tactic that was used. I mean, it was some, like something out of the movie Casino almost, um, you know, bringing the fan backstage, putting him in a room with, with Bully Ray, who uh, who is an intimidating guy. I mean, he's a very nice guy. I've met, you know, I've met him in person. He's very gracious, very nice to his fans, but uh, he's not somebody you want to get on the wrong side of. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely was uh, a bit of an intimidation tactic used. And Ring of Honor has put out a statement that, you know, that's not... Uh, not how they want things handled. So I don't think we're going to see anything else like that going forward from Ring of Honor. Um, I, I haven't heard anything about any kind of disciplinary action against Bully Ray. I mean, like I said, he didn't put hands on the guy. He didn't harm him in any way. The guy wasn't, uh, you know, manhandled or, or roughed up or anything like that. So I, I think it's just going to be a matter of, okay, you know, don't do that again. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, like I said, I want to make very clear, I, you know, I am definitely 100% against uh, what this fan supposedly did. Um, you know, like I said, booing the heels is one thing, but uh, taking it to, to the point of, uh, you know, um, talking about their personal lives or to the point where it could be construed as sexual harassment against the individual and not the character, that, that's there's no place for that. And, you know, honestly, the guy, the guy should have just been ejected from the arena and that should have been that. So... Uh, moving on from there, uh, NXT UK has announced their next TakeOver event, which will be in Cardiff, Wales, uh, interestingly enough, on August 31st, the same day as AEW's next big uh, pay-per-view All Out. Now, uh, you know, Triple H has addressed that. He said, you know, they've had the, the building booked for several months already. Um, you know, the, uh, the All Out event had nothing to do with it as far as the date. Um, but it's also the same date as uh, New Japan's Royal Quest event in London in the UK. So, uh, you know, it, I mean, it, it just seems like uh, some, some bad bad timing on NXT UK's part, I guess. Uh, if what Triple H said is true, that they've had this building and this date booked for, for several months and they just, you know, just made the announcement for the UK takeover. But, uh, yeah, so they're going to pretty much be running head-to-head against New Japan for this event. Not necessarily head-to-head with, uh, with AEW just because of the time difference. So, you know, fans here in the U.S., they'd be able to watch the U.K. takeover in the afternoon. And then the, uh, the all-out uh, all event would be in the, in the evening. So it's not, you know, not a head-to-head direct competition, but it is on the same day, like I said, interestingly enough. So, uh, you know, take take that for uh, for what it's worth. Like I said, Triple H said, you know, the uh, other companies' events had no bearing on it. They, you know, he said that he basically doesn't uh, pay attention to it, which that I don't believe. I'm sorry, but uh, if you're not paying attention or at least aware of what your competition is doing, then you're, you know, you're doing something wrong. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll leave that 
at that for right now. So that's pretty much everything that's been going on this past week. So what I want to talk about on the show this week is uh, finishers, finishing moves, finishing holds, things like that. And they they seem the fact that they seem to have lost something over the last uh, several years. The uh, yeah finishers really aren't finishers anymore. You know you see. A lot of moves that were once considered, you know, quote-unquote, the most devastating move in wrestling, uh, just as kind of transition moves now, especially, you know, specifically like a DDT. Everybody uses a DDT nowadays at some point or another, and it's just, uh, you know, it's rare that you see a DDT be the end of the match anymore unless it's Andrade who, who used the hammerlock DDT or John Moxley who uses the uh, what he calls the dirty deeds, the double underhook DDT. But, uh, you know, beyond really those two, uh, you know, a DDT is just not uh, that, that big, devastating move. And, and mind you, this is a move that, uh, you know, knocked Ricky the Dragon Steamboat out cold back in the day when Jake the Snake hit him with it on the outside of the ring. Um, you know, was for a long time considered one of the most devastating moves that there were. And if you got hit with it, that was it. The match was over. And guys, you know, would go to great lengths to avoid it. And, and now it's just kind of become a transitional move. Same thing kind of with uh, with the power bomb. You know, when you had guys like Sid Vicious and Kevin Nash and Vader um, using that big, that big power bomb as their finishing move you know if you got hit with it the match was over that was it now it's like you you see power bombs used the same way as like i was just talking about with the ddt it uh has become a transitional move you see seth rollins using it quite quite a bit well not as much as he used to but the uh, the buckle bomb you know which just by the look of it it looks like it could break somebody's neck and, and you'd figure after getting hit with that the match would pretty much be over that's a three count right there but uh you know and another one uh one that has now become so overused with a lot of different wrestlers is the super kick. And, you know, this is a move uh, used by, you know, going pretty far back. Uh, Gentleman Chris Adams uh, was a big move of the Rockers, which Shawn Michaels retained as his finisher after the Rockers split up. And, uh, you know, it, it was uh, the same thing. You know, you got hit with that super kick, and that, that was the match right there. Now everybody uses a super kick, and I know nowadays first person or first people you think of when you hear about a super kick is the young bucks uh, and that's their part of their gimmick you know the super kick party that's their entrance music and uh i mean it's a it's a great move it's a flashy move it looks really good um guys have gotten you know making the sound of that move down to a science and but it's a, another one you know you'll see 10, 12, 15 of them in, during the course of a match. It's And, and you know, a guy will maybe be down for a couple of seconds after taking one, but things right back up, and they're, you know, going back at it. That's, and that's, I think that's another part of it is the whole selling. You know, you don't see guys selling those big moves like you used to, um, like a pile driver, you know, which isn't even allowed in WWE anymore except for The Undertaker with the Tombstone. But uh, it, uh, you know, it's just a lot of these moves uh, where back in the day it would be you know as soon as that that hold was put on it was it was the end today it's just kind of like okay you know stay down for a couple of seconds get back up you know go into the next thing um and it's become more about i think aesthetics than anything else about the look of the match and you know how good does it look and let's you know uh get in as many big spots as we can and i don't necessarily mean high spots like you know flipping and jumping and things like that but just big you know devastating spots 
and uh, it's not so much about you know because that's it, it all goes back to storytelling you know uh, and I'll use Jake the Snake Roberts as an example probably the best in-ring psychologist in the history of the business you know every match he had the whole match was leading up to him getting his opponent in a position to deliver that DDT and once he got his opponent in that position the match was over and you don't see that a whole lot anymore you don't see matches building to that one big finishing spot um, another thing you don't see too much of anymore are the uh, uh, submission moves like uh, and I'm talking about like a sleeper hold um, the only person you really see use a variation of a sleeper hold anymore is Samoa Joe uh, and I'm talking about within WWE because they're obviously they're still the biggest biggest thing out there and as far as wrestling goes but uh, Yes, you know, Samoa Joe, Shayna Baszler, people with martial arts backgrounds you'll see use the, the version of a sleeper hold, which is basically a rear naked choke. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of that, you don't see a whole lot of people using submission holds anymore, like the sharpshooters and the figure fours. And even when you do, um, with the exception of Charlotte Flair with her figure eight, um, you know, when you see somebody in a submission hold like that, they're uh, one way or another, they're you pretty much know they're going to get out of it, whether it's breaking the hold, reversing the hold, getting to the ropes. You don't see anybody really get caught in a submission other than, like I said, with Samoa Joe and Shayna Baszler. Um, I just I just think the uh, finishers are something that has been lost over the last several years in, in pro wrestling. And, you know, you... There's so many false finishes now with with matches, and it does add to the excitement. But I think sometimes it's overdone, and I think you know a lot of these moves have been diminished because they're being overused. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying multiple wrestlers can't use the same hold. I'm not saying that at all. But you know, it does kind of take away from it when you see somebody, you know, like like I said, like an Andrade who uses a DDT as his finisher. Uh, yeah, he hits it, and most of the time we'll get the pin once in a while, depending on who he's uh, who he's wrestling against. Like a good example against uh, Finn Balor at Super Showdown, you know, he hit the the hammerlock DDT. Balor was able to kick out. That adds to the drama, to the storytelling of the event, and you know, it's supposed to speak to the toughness of the the other wrestler or the resilience of the other wrestler. But you know, then you see other guys, pretty much anybody like uh, like the Miz you know one of his signature moves is a uh, DDT while his opponents on his knees which is a great looking move but then you know it's not uh, it's that's never the finish of the match and you know there's there's lots of examples of that out there the rock used to use a do a great DDT but that was never the finish of the match so you know it, I think it just kind of diminishes the uh, I guess the the dramatic aspect of it, or uh, however you want to look at it, I think it takes away from those holds and those moves when uh, you know you see them so many times, and it you know doesn't uh, doesn't end the match. But that's that's just kind of my take on it. That's you know stuff that I've noticed um, you know just throughout the evolution of wrestling over the last uh, 35 plus years that I've been watching it. And uh, you know I I'm not saying you know I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just stating it how it is. You know, it, it's wrestling has changed. Finishers aren't necessarily the finish anymore. And, you're, you know, whereas today you see, you know, 10, 12, or even more false finishes throughout the course of a match, you, you didn't see that 20, 30 years ago. 
you know, um, only on like rare occasions for really, really big matches like uh, like Steamboat and and Macho Man at WrestleMania 3. I think there was something like 17 false finishes in that match or maybe more. I actually sat down and counted one day, but I don't remember what the total was. But, uh, you know, and that was that was one of those things that contributed to making that match so great. But now it's become kind of commonplace. So that's why you see... I think that's why you see so many more high spots now and wrestlers, you know, doing more and more uh, crazy spots or high-impact spots because the stuff that worked, you know, back in the day, it's not as effective anymore because it's been done so much. And like I said, that's just the uh, that's the evolution of the business. That's how the business has changed. And I, you know, a lot of people want to go off on tangents and rant and rave about, you know, how horrible the business is now compared to how it was 20 years ago. And I'm I'm not saying that at all. I still love professional wrestling, and I think you know stuff like this does have its place. Like in uh, like in the match uh, this past NXT Takeover just last week with uh, Gargano and Adam Cole. You know, they had a lot of those uh, false finishes and a lot of those big high-impact spots, and, and it was a fantastic match. Uh, so, you know, it, it this, all this stuff, it does have its place, and it does make for some really good matches. I uh, just think it, you know, like I said, it's the way that the business has evolved, and it's, uh, you know, moved away from the uh, the days of where uh, the finisher being the finish once it's, once it's hit or once it's applied one time. You know, it... Uh, uh, it's used for, I guess, probably for dramatic effect to extend matches a little bit longer sometimes. And, it, you know, it is what it is. I'll say it one more time. It's the evolution of the business. This is where uh, the pro wrestling business has gone and where it is at today. So, uh, you know, take take it or leave it. Like it, don't like it. Uh, like I said, I still, I absolutely love the business. And I try to, uh, you know, try to change along with it. The, you know, the business changes with the times and you got to change with the business. But whether you're... Uh, in the business or whether you're a fan you know you have to accept things are going to change things are going to evolve and that's just the way it is so uh that's pretty much all i got for this week Uh, again thanks everybody for tuning in right here on twitch every sunday at 3 p.m and for uh, listening and subscribing on podbean spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, TuneIn, stitcher soundcloud and youtube Uh, just search catch hook and shoot on any one of those you'll be able to find the show and thanks to everybody for following on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and LinkedIn on all of those. It's at Catch Hook Shoot. Make sure you check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash catchhookshoot. I will be getting those bonus episodes posted uh, probably by next uh, Saturday as, uh, is my goal. So, uh, you know, once those are posted, hope some of you guys will start uh, subscribing so you can check those bonus episodes out. We're going to have, uh, for the $1 tier, a wrestler profile. For the uh, $5 tier, you get the wrestler profile and the history of a championship. And for the $10 tier, a wrestler profile, history of a championship, and the history of a territory. So, uh, yeah, I'll have those three bonus episodes up within the next week or so. So hopefully some of you guys will uh, head on over to patreon.com slash catchhookshoot to check those out. And make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash catchhookshoot. And if you ever want to shoot me an email, it's catchhookshoot at gmail.com. And let me mention one more time about the WBR FanFest 2020 coming up next year, July 25th, 2020. Head over to wrestlingbehindringside.com. Pick up your super VIP tickets that are on sale right now. Uh, $200 each. You get 15 photo ops, tote bag, collector cup, wristband, priority entry into both shows. So it's going to gonna be an awesome time. 
uh, next year in Louisiana. Don't forget, uh, starting July 7th, I will be starting the Break the Code contest for two VIP tickets. Uh, so make sure you're following along and listening and keeping track of the uh, the word of the day that I'm going to be dropping every week. Uh, put all those words together, email them to me in the correct order, and you will uh, have the opportunity to win two VIP tickets. Now, the tickets that I'm giving away uh, do not include travel or accommodations. I just want to make, I know I keep mentioning that every week. I want to make sure it's clear, you know, uh, the tickets that you're winning get you access to the event and your photo ops and things like that. Uh, but you have to cover your own travel to uh, Hammond, Louisiana, and your own accommodations. So, uh, but keep listening for that. Like I said, starting on July 7th. So with that, I hope everybody has a good week, and I am going to sign off here, and I will talk to you guys soon.